Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. All right, Dan, the record says the Bears are 3-9, and nine, but they are more significantly, I think, this week losing the war of attrition. And when you lose two leaders like Darnell Mooney and Eddie Jackson, that has a way, as we described in our postgame pod, of demoralizing things, and it's very difficult to recover from because – these are your leaders. These are your teammates. These are your friends. Eddie Jackson hosted teammates for Thanksgiving Day dinner, for goodness sake. So let's start with Darnell Mooney. The reports were confirmed. He will have season-ending surgery, and he'll be placed on injured reserve. First time in his career on Sunday before the injury, he was not targeted, did not catch a pass. You feel bad for a guy who didn't quite have the season that he envisioned when when he was working out with Justin Fields all those summer days. Yeah, I mean, Darnell uh, Mooney's statistical contributions to 2022 are 40 catches, 493 yards, and two touchdowns for the league's worst passing attack. Those are disappointing numbers considering what we thought that this passing attack could be uh, this season. It's a bigger loss, though, because this guy willingly blocked every single time a run was called this season. He's uh, uh, an unselfish teammate. Uh, Cole Komet called him a light in the room today on Monday afternoon, said it's going to be hard to, to lose his vibrance in the huddle and his vibrance on the practice field. Uh, Darnell Mooney is, is what this team and this culture is all about, right? And when guys like that go down, it's a setback. It's a setback and other reasons too, David, because we've been talking obviously for for a stretch here about how uh, one of the boxes that this this offense and Justin Fields need to check before we close the books on the 2022 season is can they be a competent, consistent passing attack? When you now lose your favorite receiver and your close friend and and, and the next leading receiver on the team, wide receiver uh, right now, who's healthy is Equinemius St. Brown with 14 catches, 195 yards and a touchdown. You understand that the, the challenge just got more difficult. Right. And so now are they going to lean on the run as much as they have up to this point? Are they going to lean on it more, which I, I think you would probably agree isn't the best uh, for Justin's long term development? How are they going to navigate this without one of their their most reliable uh, playmaking receiving options? It's it's not it's not a good question to consider with where they're at right now. Well, not when you consider and you pair Justin Fields progress and development with a guy who you'd ideally like him to establish the best rapport with. And yeah. we have said for a while, the, the number one receiver designation, it applies to Darnell Mooney in Chicago. It might not in many other places and it might not in Chicago when the bears actually get a team that can be competitive for a playoff spot again. So it's just, you feel bad because he is the guy that epitomizes what you're looking for in the Matt Eberflus Chicago bear. Or before that, it was the previous regime's ideal kind of player. He, he just is, 
a total, he totally buys in and he's a fifth round draft pick that made himself into a, a very productive receiver. So in terms of practicality against the Packers, the first, I don't think that Equinemia St. Brown is a guy, maybe because the Packers will see some snaps. He does play a lot. He's a willing blocker, but does this open the door for anybody specific? I know fans' minds, they might want to say, well, does this mean Velas Jones probably will get <laughs> uh, more extended action? I don't know if he has earned it, Dan, but what do you think in terms of practicality? So, one more thing on the Mooney topic, and, and then I'll answer that question directly. First of all, you know, I'm going to have to keep tabs on this, right? Like, we've confirmed that Darnell's out for the rest of the season, and he's going to have surgery, but the question now is how severe that damage is inside his left ankle, and, and just how grueling and taxing the rehab process will be. I talked on 670 to score on Monday afternoon with Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes about having these flashbacks and rewatching the way the injury occurred to what happened to Kyle Long in 2016 when they ran that uh, ill-fated shovel pass to Paul Asike, the fullback in Tampa. I believe you were there that day yeah. uh, up, up in the press box at Raymond James <laughs> Stadium. And it was really uh, the last time we saw full-strength Kyle Long in his time as a bear. He was never quite the same after that. It was a similar play in regards to so you've got a guy engaged in a block and someone comes falls from behind with their full weight on the back of the ankle, right? And, and Kyle suffered uh, terrible damage to his deltoid ligament, terrible damage to his peroneal tendon. And while the Bears kept the, the severity of that injury pretty concealed for the most part, uh, you talk to Kyle now and he'll tell you that, that that rehab and that process was more mentally and physically taxing than just about anything he's ever been through. And, and, and so, so you, you just cross your fingers and you hope and you pray for Darnell Mooney's sake, for the Chicago Bears sake, that he, he's not facing something like that, that this is just a quick correction, a quick repair. And, and right. Like you get it, you get it fixed up as soon as possible. And you hope that you're ready uh, to participate in some practices in, in late May and June potentially. And, and certainly by the time training camp starts, because if not now, all of a sudden you're taking the one piece on that receiving core that you could lock in and say, definite part of the passing attack for years to come and say, uh-oh, you know, now where do we go? So that that's that in the question. So the other part of this is who does it open a door for? Well, Chase Claypool would seem to have a, 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 an open door right now to, to become a guy that Justin Fields looks for more often. Well, Chase Claypool also was beat up in the game Sunday against the New York Jets and was seen on the sideline trying to look like some sort of leg injury, trying to stretch things out. Matty Berflus wouldn't answer on Monday afternoon what happened to Claypool or what his status was. We're going to get the injury report on Wednesday afternoon, David. You know, you can't get any injury, injury information until you get that trusty tweet on Wednesday after practice. And so, man, like th th that's the last thing they can afford is to have Mooney on IR and then Chase Claypool having to miss some time with an injury of his own. Yeah, the fear with Darnell Mooney is a guy that committed and with that kind of ceiling that this is a setback that he – he never really fully recovers and regains that ground. The Kyle Long example is a good one, unfortunately, because you wonder if he ever did. And you saw what happened after that. And you could arguably say that it didn't. So you hope that this is not a turning point in the wrong direction for his career. But all you can do is you know you know that if anybody in that locker room will be committed to to re rehabbing, that it'll be Darnell Mooney, and you hope for the best. Let's move to Eddie Jackson, another unfortunate injury. Eddie Jackson leading the team in tackles, four interceptions, enjoying what I think is fair to say was a resurgent season under Matt Eberflus, his fourth, I think, defensive coordinator since he arrived in 2017. This is a guy that just got his foot caught in that 
controversial turf at MetLife Stadium and went down, non-contact injury. Garrett Wilson ran by him. And that's an indelible image in your head. It didn't sound like Matt Eberflus wanted to share many more details. But, Dan, oddly, there was maybe a sense of, I don't want to even say optimism, but a little more positivity than I expected given the circumstances surrounding that injury. Yeah, no question. They didn't declare it a season ending uh, at this point. They didn't say whether IR was in the equation at this point. And so you cross your fingers and you hope for the best. Eddie left MetLife Stadium in a walking boot on Sunday night. I talked to him for about four seconds as he was leaving the locker room and just said, how you doing? He said, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. And and, and so th- there was a, um, a little bit of optimism and, and upbeat tone to, to Eddie's comments after the game that led me to believe, okay, maybe they avoided the worst case scenario, which I think we all kind of feared an Achilles injury with the way that injury occurred and the way, the way he planted and the way he went down. Um, so we'll wait and see. I think, you know, pretty logical to, to, to say he's not going to play this week. He's certainly going to go into the bye week and, and recover that regard. Whether we see him again this season remains to be seen. Uh, Eddie was, you know, making a case to be part of the Pro Bowl roster. Right. Right. And, and to be back on that list again, which would have been a great accomplishment given uh, given the way the last couple of years had gone. And now they're going to be without him. And I think I think the one thing you lose, right, like you already lost your two original defensive captains and Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. And now, you know, a third defensive captain, Eddie Jackson, is down and you just you just lose that juice, right, that energy and 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 the respect that Eddie has from the guys around him and the, the contagious sort of enthusiasm for the day that he brings. And, and that's not easy to replace. Um, you know that they, they finished that game Sunday with, with zero depth at the safety position. It was uh, DHC and, and, and rookie Elijah Hicks finishing the game at safety. And DeAndre Houston Carson saying on Monday, I, I'm not sure what they would have done if either one of those guys would have got hurt. You would have had to fiddle around with the cornerback and converted them. And uh, so it's a, a position they need answers at. And it's just it's a rough break for Eddie for sure. So next man up, is it still Elijah Hicks? Is it Brisker? comes back from the concussion then you put DHC at free safety is it a combination of everybody because I don't see them with five games to go and there's still five games to go right going to the street and finding somebody who they plug and play I don't know if anybody like that is out there even though they're going to have to look at their practice uh, squad list again and try to find you know, some sort of passable depth. Right. And right. And you mentioned Jaquan Brisker, and that's going to be interesting to see when he gets clearance and is able to come out of the concussion protocol, because uh, you obviously would like him to finish his rookie season and, and, and finish on a high and be able to get that uh, experience. Obviously he will be back before the year's up, but you'd like it sooner rather than later, particularly given the, the attrition that they're going through, uh, you know, Elijah Hicks, probably not ready yet, right? And, and wasn't supposed to be ready, wasn't supposed to be thrust in this role. And, and so that's just what happens when you're a rebuilding team with injuries to key players and limited depth and not a lot that you can lean back on. And, and it's just, it's, it's ugly right now for the Bears. And again, there are five games left. And I know most fans are resigned to the fact that if Justin Fields makes a few highlight reel plays, it's all good. Uh, but man, you, you want to seem functional and you want to seem like you've got some momentum going into 2023. I know that Mandy Refluce said that Wednesday uh, will be the day that he talks about injuries, but he did address 
briefly, vaguely, a couple others today, the ones that stand out, Larry Borum and Riley Reef, the right tackle uh, tandem for the Bears. What can you tell us about those two guys? Yeah, Larry Borum, we didn't know on Sunday night what his injury was. It's an ankle issue, uh, so we'll see what happens then. Uh, Riley Reef left the game, obviously, with a shoulder issue. So they're thin at, at offensive tackle now, right? And then you had Michael Schofield finish the game at right tackle. Uh, Eberflus was asked whether they would consider uh, shifting Tevin Jenkins back outside to tackle just to to give themselves some options there. And he said, uh, we're pretty comfortable with him at guard. Alex Leatherwood's a guy who could get a look at that tackle position at this point. It's you talk about, you know, we entered training camp, right? And it was like, Matt, how soon are you going to solidify your offensive line? And it was like the sooner, the better. Well, here we are in week 13 and it's like a different combination every single week. I've never seen anything like it. And I've seen a lot in between these walls here at Hallis Hall. And so it'll just be uh, another week where, where you're, you're tracking, who's possibly able to play who can play where what do they want to fiddle around with and again like we're still trying to track the development of justin fields that process is not over i know most people have already hung the mission accomplished banner and, and believe that that his season is a an unqualified success but he's still got ways to go and when, when you remove pieces from an already thin receiving core and pieces from an already thin offensive line, you say, good Lord, like now you really have to be careful and make sure that you keep your franchise quarterback healthy down the stretch of the season. I'm convinced that Alex Leatherwood is actually just a figment of our imagination. Some type I've of talked social. to him, so I've seen oh, him. Okay. All right. Because <laughs> it seems like one big social experiment because his name has been mentioned every single week since they signed him off the Raiders scrap heap. And we know what he's being paid but we really don't know if he can play. And and this Tom Thayer made this point this morning on the Mullen Haw show, and it's a good one. His his theory is that they have tried him in so many different places that they've been unable to to really allow him to get good at any one position. So we don't really know what he can play or where he can play or where he can't play. No question, right? Like, and, and we didn't have preseason or training camp to watch him with our own eyes to figure out what it looks like at this stage. And so it's all a guessing game. It's similar with Nikhil Harry, right? Who, who just can't yeah. crack the game day roster. I mean, listen, David, like the bear, Matt Eberflus told us on Monday afternoon that, that basically Dante Pettis was sick, very, very sick on Sunday. It's the reason he didn't get many offensive snaps. He ended up playing two snaps on offense, basically only because Darnell Mooney left the game and they needed to get him in there. And Iberflus basically said that he went to Pettis before the game and said, are you good enough to just go out and fair catch punts? Right. Like, so if that doesn't tell you what they think, one of Nikhil Harry as a receiver two of Valus Jones as a punt returner, I don't know what will. Right. And it's just disappointing when you're three and eight right. and you're basically taking a guy who can't even stand up and saying, can you just go out there and wave your arm and catch a football? Because we don't trust other guys to, to handle that role. You know, here we are. Right. Like here we are. And, and it's what, what I've been trying to put, keep the magnifying glass on. Like you can have more than one discussion at once that this roster is so depleted and so full of holes that the Bears are going to have to bat like 750 in the offseason to become even remotely competitive in 2023. Most people throw up after watching the Bears play, <laughs> not before um, Dante Pettis beat everybody to it. Look, they're in the midst of a five game losing streak and, and the talent alone is a big reason why. And the irony of this season is, and I know that Justin Fields has growth to make, and that's why the last four games, I believe, are important. You have to show progress. We'll continue to talk about in the passing game. But I do think that if they were checking a box, it would be you know in bold, indelible ink that they believe in him and they he's their quarterback. The irony is 
is that now that you have an injury to Darnell Mooney, now that you have an injury to Eddie Jackson, I think these are core guys. What other positions do you feel sure about, really? Because you know you what you've got maybe in Brisker and Kyler Gordon, the players that you drafted highly, maybe Braxton Jones, maybe, maybe. Cole Komet, yes, but what is that? What is he? The, the, the position you feel best about right now, uh, 12 games in, is the position that you felt most, most unsettled about to begin the season. It's the most important one, but that's the irony because, okay, you got the quarterback question answered. What about the 52 <laughs> others? 100%, right? They, they don't have a pass rush. They don't have a stable offensive line. The, the, the running back room is probably the second most uh, solid room at this point where you say, okay, you can you can figure out where you're going to go with Montgomery, Herbert, uh, Darrington Evans, with bright light on, on Sunday afternoon, and then you go from there. But, man, I'm, I'm telling you, there's just there's, there's so much here to fix. And, again, there's still five more games, and, and, and now, now you're left with this – with this sort of lump in your throat, if you're Ryan Poles and saying, I, I don't even know if I want to play these last five games because I can't afford for more guys like Eddie Jackson and Darnell Mooney to, right. to, to sort of wind up like tire treads on the, on the shoulder of the highway. So any more injury news before we get on to what I think uh, Matt Eberflus talked about and the application of the hits principle and its value in losing streaks like this, anything that we didn't touch on in terms of injury and attrition? Well, I'm tired and I'm day to day. My back hurts all. a little bit from these yeah. flights and everything else, but I don't think anyone cares about that's that. That's it. How's Bigsy holding up? You know, I mean, Bigsy's a grinder. Bigsy will get okay. to Jan- January 9th without without any issue. And uh, He's not, he never appears on the injury report. 